It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April 11th, the Teenager Under the Bed edition. I'm Gabriel Roth. I'm the editorial director of Slate Podcasts, and I'm the father of Eliza, who's eight years old, and Leo, who is four and three quarters. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, a journalist and podcaster from New Hampshire, although I'm recording this podcast today in windy but sunny Las Vegas. And I am mom to Henry, who is 17, Teddy, who is 16, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is 18. And I'm Carvel Wallace, a writer and podcaster in Oakland, California, and I am the father to Georgia, who is 13, and Ezra, who is 15. Today on our show, we have a question about Batman, and we have another question about whether there are circumstances in which you would want your kid's car seat to fail to protect them from fatal injury. Yes, we do. Plus, as always, we'll have triumphs and fails. We will make recommendations on Slate Plus. We're going to find out how Rebecca and her family came to be flying on a private jet. Apparently, there is some kind of parenting angle there. But really, I think it's an excuse for Rebecca (laughs) to talk to us about flying on a private jet. Let's get started. Triumphs and fails. Rebecca, you want to go first? Yeah, I have a huge triumph. Um, We went on this short trip last week, which we'll talk about in Slate Plus. Kevin and I went... And parents of little kids this is going to like shock you that this is possible because it would have shocked me that it would someday be possible. We left my 17 year old son, Henry, in charge of our home and our dogs for one, two, three, four, five days, five days. He house sat and dog sat for us. And we came home and there was no evidence of any nefarious activity, which doesn't mean it didn't happen. But there was no evidence of it, which is the most important thing. Dogs were alive. The house was clean. And everything was just great. And it just feels like really good. Of course, he's going to now leave us in August to go to college for four years. But it feels really good to finally be at a point where, you know, he'd been house sitting for some other people uh, who weren't us. And so when we were knowing we were going on this trip and I was thinking about booking the dog sitter, I was like, do you just want to do this since you're now like doing it for other people? And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And so, yeah, he was in charge. And, you know, it all went really great. And it just feels like a whole new era where... You could just leave (laughs) like everybody will be able to eat and everybody will be able to get themselves bathed and dressed and you can just leave and like not come home at night. It's very strange, but very cool. And it all went really well. So it felt like a huge triumph to me. Um, Did you check all of his friends' Instagrams to see what the party actually looked like? It's not. Nope, I didn't. I don't honestly. It's like one of my friends was asking me, like, do you think you had a party? I'm like, probably. I honestly don't really care. I mean, this is like, it's not that I don't care. It's that this is like where I would not have left him in charge of the house and everything if I didn't think that if he had a party, it would all be fine. You know what I mean? Like, that's where we are. And that's like the real triumph here is that I. Yeah. I've raised a kid who probably did have a party and I actually don't care because he probably did everything the way he would have done it if we had been around, which is like, have everybody stay over, make sure nobody's driving late at night. Like if there's stuff going on, like not letting it get crazy, like he's just good like that. And so, yeah, I I hate to say it, but I don't care. I'm sure I'm going to get nasty emails about it, but I really don't care. So no, I didn't check, but that's a good idea. I'm going to do that now. (laughs) 
it's too late now because Snapchat disappears. I will say oh, that um, right. I had an experience where this wasn't my kid. This was my friend's kid who is the exact same age as Ezra. They're, we're, they've been family friends the whole time. The mom went out of town. This kid has always been hyper-responsible. I think he's about 15 at this point. She left him at home. Um, and for the most part, he has always been just very, from the time they were toddlers, he was always just handle it himself. So he's, he has a job, he's going to school, he's doing everything great. And then she was out of town for like two days. And then like, it turns out that he was advertising this party on Instagram (laughs) and his mother called me and was like, you need to go over there and break this up because I'm out of town. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to go and like burst in there on full grown up level. Anyway, so I called him, I texted him or called him or whatever. And I was like, dude, what is going on? He's like, I've already been busted. I already know it's not happening. I took it down. I was like, well, I'm still going to come over. He's like, I know you are like, I'll see you when you get here. So I come over and uh, he comes out of that, the, you know, he's like, Hey, I'm like, what, what were you doing? He's like, I thought maybe I was going to throw a party, but then I just realized it's like, I totally got busted. Like the post was up for like literally 20 minutes before my mom texted me. And so (laughs) I was like, come on, man. And so then I sit down at the, (laughs) at the table and I start making small talk because I haven't seen him for a while. How school did this and that? Oh, did you see the new Jordans came out? Blah, blah, blah. We have this whole thing. And he's just being a little weird and I can't figure out why he's being weird, Uh but he's being a little weird. (laughs) So minutes goes to 20 minutes 20 minutes goes to 30 minutes and after a while he's like hey can you can, can you hold on one second man and we're like yeah sure and he goes into his bedroom and then he's like come on out man and like he had a kid hiding under his bed <laughs> <laughs> like some dude was already there and he thought i was just gonna come and like knock and take a look around and then you know head out but i sat down put my feet up started like eating an orange you know i just made myself at home. <laughs> Because I hadn't seen the kid in so long, and he's a family friend. And uh, so, yeah, so that's the story there. (laughs) What I love, what I love, is that you sat down to talk to him, like kind of one on one, like in a friendly way, because you assume that you guys can have a relationship of trust. (laughs) And and (laughs) meanwhile, there's a dude under the bed. It was just like I thought. He's like I I thought you were just going to come and look around and leave. I didn't know you were going to like kick it. And meanwhile, and then in the meantime, like another older family friend who had also been texted, she dropped by. Like, so it turned to this whole thing. It's a grown-ups party. It's a grown-up party. Oh, man. Uh, so I have a triumph that is also party-related, but because my kids are younger, it's much more innocent. Um, we had, for the first time, uh, we had a slumber party for Eliza, who is eight years old, who has been wanting to have a slumber party for a long time. She has gone to slumber parties at her friend's houses. She went to one quite early because uh, she has a friend whose older brother had a slumber birthday party, and, and Eliza's friend got to have one friend over for the slumber party, and she picked Eliza. So at six, she got to spend the night at a slumber party, which was super exciting. And ever since, she's wanted to have her own slumber party. Uh, we don't have a, a huge apartment and the kids share a bedroom and so it's always been a little impractical but right now we live in a in a co-op townhouse and there's an empty apartment on the top floor and we worked it out so that we could have like her and her friends and and tally my wife staying up there for one night so they had a like we had dinner in our apartment and then they all went upstairs and like camped out in this empty apartment uh and it was super fun the triumph obviously is mostly tally who who stayed with them for the whole night and and had to manage the the slumbering part of the slumber party including the part 
at 4.30 in the morning where Eliza wakes up and rushes over to the room where Tally was sleeping and says, Emily's gone. <gasps> and <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and so she like bolts off the air mattress that she's sleeping on and rushes into the other room and there's the empty bed with the empty pillow and like she looks in the bathroom. She's not in the bathroom. There's another room in this apartment but the door has been locked from the inside and she's shouting and she's banging on the door. Turns out that Emily had just kind of snuggled down into her sleeping bag. Like her, her, her head was just inside the sleeping bag. But it, it did apparently really look like she wasn't there. Uh, but she was out walking the streets. Yeah. Imagine the panic if for the first time you've got a few of these second grade girls staying over for the first time for a slumber party and you're responsible and you're in this empty apartment that's not your own and you wind up thinking even for a couple of minutes that one of them has vanished. Horrific. <laughs> Just a worst case scenario. So bad. T- turned out it was fine, al- although I think it did interfere with everyone's sleep quite a lot. Um, but so that is the, I mean, my involvement was limited to planning and uh, pizza and pasta and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but a, a family triumph, at least. Mm. Uh, Carvel, how about you? Triumph or fail? I have a, because we've done so many triumphs, I'm going to, I was thinking about the fail part of this, but you guys are going to get, people are going to get mad when I tell them what happened. Um, it's, we're getting to the end of the school year. Georgia has, we're ending up, uh, she's coming to this, wrapping up her middle school years. And, uh, and you know, it's a big deal. And, 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 uh, uh, and she's ready to go to high school, and so she just got her report card with her with her cumulative middle school GPA, which is a thing she cares about, even though no one else cares about it. She cares about her middle school GPA. Her GPA is three point nine three, and she seems quite good. That's what I, that's what you would think. That's what I would think. That's what it we all what would, you think. would think. Yeah, I got a phone call from her the day she got it. She was sobbing. She was actually crying. She had this vision that she was going to get a 4.0 and that she wanted to get all the way through middle school with a 4.0. And she didn't. She got a 3.93. And she was upset about it. And first she was like, and what's interesting about it is that the conversation I had with her, she was upset at the beginning. And then I was like, she she said, Dad, I, I got my cumulative GPA. I was like, Well, what is it? She's like, It's three point nine three. I said, That's great. I'm so proud. Like, just going into like dad mode. She's like, No, it's terrible. I wanted to get a four And I was like, Oh, well, no, this is fine. Like, you're great. And she was like, It's not fair. Sadie got a four and blah blah blah. And this one. And how did I even do this? And she was like, I don't think it's fair. And I was like, Well, if you think that maybe there's been a miscalculation, you're certainly within your rights to go to this to the office and ask for an explanation because maybe there was a mistake and you don't know. And she was like, No, I just. I remembered I did get a B plus in like sixth grade math one time, just one B plus and it ruins my whole thing. And I was like, what, what is going on? So I, I tried to, I sort of everything like, it's great. You did a great job. She, the important thing is that you did the effort and so on and so forth. And she got the phone with me and she was like, okay, okay, fine. And then about 20 minutes later, her mom texted me and she was like, have you talked to your daughter today? And I was like, I just got off the phone with her. And she was like, I was like, why? She was like, she just called me and she sobbed the entire phone call. And I was like, um, thinking about this intensity that she has around perfection and how much of it, uh, where that comes from for her. And some of that has to do, it's internal and it's just the way she is. And some of that has to do, I was thinking more and more about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized her and her brother are of equal intelligence. They both just are really smart kids who are equally intelligent. Her, Her brother will literally have like 
the lowest possible GPA you can have that isn't flunking out of school. And he'll be like, looks like everything's in order here. I'm going to go play Red Dead Redemption. And (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile, Georgia gets to 3.93 and she's sobbing. And like, on the one hand, it's funny. But then on the other hand, we know that there's perfectionist stuff with Georgia and that there's anxiety and there's tension and whatever. But on the other hand, there's also this, this like gender thing where I was trying to think, I was thinking about all the movies and television shows and stories that I've ever seen involving teenage girls. And I was thinking how many different representations I've seen of the teenage girl who is a striver and achiever and like really wants to get everything done and wants to be perfect and that's what she wants in the world and she's she's the hero and that's how she does it. That that's a model in a story that's been told a lot. And then I was trying to think, have I ever seen a story of a charming teenage boy who really wants to do everything correctly? And I was like, I haven't. The charming teenage mm. boys are always the lovable underachievers. And the charming teenage girls are always like the... Yeah, or the ones who just skate through. The ones who just skate charming, through, right. right? The Ferris Bueller's of the world who are wildly intelligent, but they... Zach Morris. Yeah, the Zach Morris's, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I was just, I was like, I just found myself getting irritated by the whole arrangement today. I was like, this is, I mean, my, like Ezra is ambitious. He does want to do things in the world. He has, I, I have no doubt he's going to go out and do stuff and, and whatever. But he has taken on this identity of the lovable underachiever. Like, he's you little scamp. Like, you never do what you're supposed to do, but gosh darn it, we love you. And Georgia, on the other hand, believes that she is responsible for managing everything and doing everything perfectly. And that bothers me, that there's that disconnect. And, like, I don't know the extent to which we have... Joe and I have like created that. I don't know that we have. Maybe we have. But it also feels like a larger social issue. And the problem with it isn't just, hey, the kids are happy doing what they do. The problem is that the it manifests in how they take on labor in social situations. Ezra just doesn't. He just feels like everyone's going to. He's just going to leave stuff around and it's going to be fine and other people will pick it up and it's not a big deal. And okay, you're, you're, on, you're on my case right now. You're harshing my mellow. And Georgia feels like she's constantly looking around and seeing like, what am I responsible for? What do I have to do? What do people expect from me? How can I achieve that? And watching that play out so intensely with my two kids of different genders is really sobering and kind of frustrating to me. And so, the, I mean, the triumph is that my kid does well in school. But the the fail is that just socially, it's it's a very complicated thing for her, and she's unhappy about her grades, and that's that just doesn't seem right. Yeah, that's hmm. really interesting. I like certainly like getting a three point nine GPA and feeling bad about it and crying about it feels like something's not going right, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, I, I made the Zach Morris comment there, but you know, there is the other iconic Saved by the Bell episode where Jesse. <laughs> The high achieving girl in the group ends up getting addicted to speed yeah. because she wants to be perfect yeah, right. and she wants her. And it's like dumb, but like it is the pop culture archetype. Yes. You know, I think about my own son who's I, I like you. I have a high achiever and a and a like I, everything's in order here. I'm passing right. one. But the high achiever even is very easy going about it. Yes, he works really, really hard. He does all the things he's supposed to do. But then I look at like his girlfriend who's also a high achiever and she's a perfectionistic high yes. achiever when she was looking at colleges it was very much like her labor was I need to get the best deal like I have to really go out and like get clothes for the interview and do all this and then I have to get all these scholarships and get it all lined up and everything is very much in order and 
it's like that is the archetype of the smart boy versus the smart yeah. girl. And it's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never thought about it before right now. And that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I could definitely see that happening with my kids along gen. I mean, whatever. He's four years old. He <laughs> knows. Yeah. But yes, I could definitely see that happening. I had a friend when I was in high school, a friend who was a girl and who had it was one of two sisters. And their dad had told she told me, you know, my dad told us your goal in life is to figure out how much you need to do to achieve what it is that you want to achieve and then clear that bar by as little as possible. <laughs> you, you, I love that guy. You, wow. You got to clear the bar. <laughs> but anything you do to get you above that is a waste. So just try to get just as close to the bar as possible without going underneath, which was not the way my parents talked to me about academic achievement, no. I should say. Yeah. and. and and I still remember that, and it feels like that would be a useful thing to say to my kids, maybe especially <laughs> Eliza, because I could see her turning out to have those kinds of like perfectionistic tendencies. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting to watch Georgia develop. This was, this felt to me a little bit almost like a relapse for her because she used to be really intensely perfectionistic and people, not people pleasing, but sort of inst- like she, like ple- just sort of pleasing in general. Like, I need to get there on at 801. If I get there at 803, then these are going to be mad at me, and then it's and we'd be like relax calm down and she's gotten a lot more chill as a teenager she's turning into a teenager so she's a little bit like you know she definitely has her things with authority figures where she's like screw you this person's an idiot I don't need to listen to what they say and given where she's coming from I support that in her because she has so little of that I, Ezra on the other hand I think could use a tad bit less of that I think in order to get balanced out mm. but I think you need a certain amount of that but it's this felt to me like a little bit of a throwback to old Georgia and you know, it's intense and I haven't even gotten to the part where I tell her how, you know, perfectionism is basically capitalist white supremacist gatekeeping. That's arbitrary. Uh, we haven't even gotten to that yet. So we'll see what happens when she gets woke around. That. Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, don't forget to mention patriarchy. You left it. <laughs> I did leave like an important player. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, neg- don't neglect patriarchy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we move on, let's do the business. Are you aware that the very first Mom and Dad Are Fighting Playdate takes place on June the 8th? That's at Slate Day, a great day of Slate podcasting events in New York City. Uh, Carvel and I will be hosting a playdate for grownups and for kids. You can bring your kids. There will be stuff for them. There will be stuff for you. It's going to be really fun. It's at 4 p.m. on June the 8th. If you want to find out more, go to slate.com slash slate day 2019. Are you a member of Slate Plus? If not, you should join Slate Plus. It's our membership program. It helps us make the show. Slate Plus members get ad-free extended episodes of this and our other great podcasts every single week. It's just $35 for your first year. You can try it free for two weeks with no commitment at all. Give it a try. Go to slate.com slash plus today and check it out. If you're not yet a member of our Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Go to Facebook, search for Slate Parenting. People are there talking about 
the episodes of this show. They're talking about their own parenting triumphs and fails. They're giving advice. They're making recommendations. It's all happening on the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Uh, if you have a Facebook account, go to Facebook and search for Slate Parenting. If you don't have a Facebook account, it's almost worth creating a Facebook account just to participate in the Slate Parenting Facebook group. If you have a question that you would like us to tackle on this program, you can email it to us, momanddad at slate.com is our email address, or you can leave a message on our voicemail number, which you can reach by dialing 424-255-7833. Give that a shot. We need your questions, even if they are strange. Uh, That phone number again is 424-255-7833. Okay, let's get back to the show. All right. Uh, time to move on. We're going to take a question from a listener. This one came to us over email. Uh, if you want to send us an email, you can do that. The email address that we use is momanddad at slate.com. But the at there is one of those little at signs. It's like a letter A with a circle. Ah. You remember when you used to have to say that when you were telling people your email address? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mom and dad at slate. Then for a while, people just would do a little inflection on the at. Like they would be like, it's mom and dad at slate.com. <laughs> <laughs> But now everybody sort of knows how email addresses work. It's so back when everyone's email address was like chocolate chip cookie 6398 <laughs> at, at hotmail.com. At hotmail.com. Exactly. At hotmail.com. That's exactly right. As opposed to now when it's at gmail.com. Uh, in any case, uh, this one came to us via that email address, which I just mentioned, uh, and I won't repeat. It's momanddad at slate.com. Uh, you can email us there too. Uh, it's being read for us by Slate's very own information technology goth Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad. Here's a question I'd love to toss your way for the show. I'm the mom of two boys, ages one and almost five. My older son is funny, smart, and like a lot of kids, has always had at least one intense interest at any given time. For a very long time, it was trains and Thomas, which was great. He loves cataloging information, and for nearly two years, he loved trains. He learned every detail about the Thomas world. Eventually, that faded, and he had a shorter love affair with other things. But now it's Batman. The love runs as deep as with trains. He only wants to wear Batman clothing. He sings the theme song constantly. He's intensely interested in learning every aspect of the Batman universe, especially which the bat symbol matches up with which property. He can differentiate between the Michael Keaton slash Jack Nicholson movie from the Christian Bale slash Heath Ledger one. The first problem is the fact that Batman's universe gets pretty dark pretty fast. So there's a lot of content I want to keep him away from, which mostly we do. But with more DC movies coming out all the time, including the incredibly scary-looking Joker movie coming out later this year, it feels like a losing battle. I'm starting to feel overwhelmed by it and where to draw the line. The other part is my actual son's behavior. Boys loving superheroes is fine with us. We're nerds by nature and lovers of comic books and comic book movies. But he's turning into a bit of a jerk in this current phase. He's moody, because Batman is always moody. He punches things, because that's what superheroes do, etc. Everything is about good guys and bad guys. Guess which little brother is a bad guy. And he gets really, like, ridiculously snotty when we set limits on how much Batman we're willing to indulge on any given day. I know I can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. 
and a lot of this behavior is just textbook normal for a five-year-old boy. But would it be wrong or mean of me to take away Batman? I really miss the days of actual preschool content in my house. And with my one-year-old inching closer to that stage, I'm not thrilled with this slippery slope towards too adult content. I would love to hear your advice and experience. Thanks. Can I take this one? <laughs> By all yeah, means. Please. All right. I, I feel like I can speak to that because I'm a person who in his younger days had some investment in Batman, both as a five and six year old and then as a like teenager getting into the like dark, moody versions of Batman. And then now as a parent, I, I both of my kids have been into superheroes to varying degrees. Eliza partly because I would read comics with her and, and Leo because he just did, like many like your kid and many young kids has, has sort of glommed onto superheroes. Um, I'm afraid that what you're going to have to do is not like pull out of Batman, but go deeper into Batman in a particular way. It, it's helpful that, that you and your partner are like into nerd stuff and geek culture and whatever, because you're going to have to start discriminating among the various different kinds of Batman content out there. Because some of it is totally cool and appropriate for a five-year-old boy who's fallen in love with these, um, you know, commercially ubiquitous uh, licensed properties. And some of it is just totally not appropriate for a five-year-old boy and is scary and violent and morally suspect and, and basically, I think, like bad and harmful in the world in a way that's particularly bad that it bleeds over into five-year-old culture. Um I, I, the, okay. There's the old Warner Brothers cartoon shows like the Batman Adventures and the Batman and Robin Adventures. Those are like a little spooky, but very, very nice and fun and always resolve in a good way. And Batman behaves in, in upstanding and heroic and sometimes sort of stoic and like John Wayne-esque, but, but ultimately morally admirable ways. There's the the Batman show with Adam West and Burt Ward from 1964 through 7 or whenever with the feature film from 1966 in which is a little silly and kind of funny and campy but there's certainly nothing in there that a 5-year-old boy shouldn't see and enjoy and there's a ton of content from those two sort of tributaries of the Batman franchise that I I, I wouldn't have any problems with a 5-year-old or my own 5 uh, my own almost 5-year-old getting super into. We watched the Batman 1966 movie and he liked it and he likes these cartoons and it's great and then the fucking Heath Ledger Joker movie no that's not I don't think a five year old should be watching that because it, it's too scary and too violent and there's the thing where the Joker slams a guy's face on the table with a pencil and the pencil goes right into the guy's eye that's not what you want your five year old kid to see and and it, it's going to be a bit of a pain, especially if like, you know, maybe you've had these movies or comics or whatever lying around and you're going to have to say, well, no, there's some Batman that's appropriate, another Batman that isn't appropriate. But I'm afraid you're going to have to do that with him. And fortunately, you do have the right to say like, well, if, if you're not if you're going to fuss about not getting to watch this one Batman movie, then we're going to have to say no Batman. But if you want to still be into Batman, I would love to watch this episode of the old TV show with um, Yvonne Craig playing Catwoman, or excuse me, Yvonne Craig playing Batgirl. Yeah. Uh, and and we can watch that, and and that'll be fun and nice. And you can still dress up as Batman and play Batman. But these are the Batman stuff that's appropriate for a five year old. You might have to dial back what you've done a little bit, but I think that's the way that you can um, 
like prevent the the really obnoxious stuff from from getting into the stream without like being a real you know hard ass and and imposing a no batman rule that would be my uh recommendation here as a person who feels he might have been preparing his entire life for this <laughs> what do you guys think where was batman the animated that's what i was exactly what i was going to say because you i'm just curious yeah you, you as an ex i freaking loved that show and i watched it with my kids you actually recommended that one time rebecca on this that was one of your recommendations i remember that i know yeah great great stuff great show great it. stuff that was that was that was one of the things i was talking about that's completely great for for absolutely kids. yeah all right good because it's dark yeah. i mean that i think that series is very satisfying because it has a lot of the yes it's moody gloomy yes. batman comic book stuff and the broodiness and he's certainly never happy which as anyone who loves batman loves an unhappy batman <laughs> and uh it has all that um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, that that stuff seems great. And then there's various other DC Universe stuff drawn in the same style, which is similarly like it's not it's aspirational for a five year old. It feels grown up to mm-hmm. a five year old, but it's mm-hmm. not actually like morally terrifying or about this crazy clown figure doing psychotic <laughs> things, stabbing people in the eye. Yeah, yeah. You know, a, a yeah. lot of times when we do the Karen feeding column, and uh, I will glance at the comments. One of my favorite comments is a variation on, and this is so many readers uh, have this comment, which is they'll read about a, a, a parent who's like, "How do I keep my kid from blah blah blah? How do I keep my kid from sucking on this thing pacifier or f- you know punching his little brother or whatever?" And everyone will say, "You, you just be a parent and stop it." And I'm always like, I don't think it always works that way. But this is a situation in which I do think you, you I, I, I see some of that here that I think you do get to say this behavior is unacceptable. I don't give a fuck if you like Batman or what Batman does. This is not what we're going to do. We're not going to punch stuff. We're not going to play. And that's just what it is. And like and, and if you have a problem with that, we can get rid of all the Batman and you can just suffer like that's that's sort of the parenting voice. I don't know if that's the voice, but that's the kind of hard line I get to take because you do have some dictatorial power as a parent some and i think that like one of the great strategies of being a parent is knowing when to use it and of course the solution is almost never but there are times at which you when all else has failed get to pull one or two dictatorial parent cards now and again and i think this is one of them um you're bet to view batman in the way that your son is viewing him is a privilege not a right which is another parental thing. <laughs> Can't believe I just said out loud, but it is. And he can lose that right. And he can lose that right by behaving like an asshole. And if, and and you get to define what that is. If he if he treats his little brother in this way, if he hits people in this way, if he if he if he you know talks to talks back to you in this way or that way, then one of the things that can happen is you can say, well, <clears throat> I think that Batman and all the Batman you're watching is having kind of a negative effect on you and making you behave in a way that's not very nice. And so I don't think we should watch that anymore. And that's a really great thing because it it it's not just arbitrary i'm punishing you because i don't like your behavior it's there's an actual through line it's like i think your behavior is coming from this thing and so i i don't approve this behavior and so i think we need to put this thing aside and um i think that that's has the potential to be effective and you get to hold to that secondarily i agree with what gabe said there's so this is a great thing for your kid to be obsessed with because there's just so much different so many different levels of content, everything from Lego movies all the way up to Heath Ledger stabbing people in the eye and everything in between. And so I think that you do get to go in there and figure out what it is that you think will work and what it is that you think won't work. And yes, I, I mean, it sounds like you may have already seen the those movies and that's too, the, that's too bad because those movies are too much. 
four or five year old. They just are. And uh, it sucks that Batman's attached to them, but that that happens. I mean, sometimes, you know, it's just like they put things that kids like on things that kids aren't supposed to see. I remember when I was a kid and I went to this friend of my dad's house and he had like, I saw a magazine with Superman on the cover and I like went to reach for it. And everyone was like, no, no, no. And it was like a Playboy magazine with some woman dressed up <laughs> wearing the Superman yeah. logo. And I was like, what seems to be the issue? This is Superman. Surely Superman <laughs> is for the children. Like what? Why is everyone bugging out so much? You know, it's so, like that's an unfortunate thing about raising a kid in this world, but it is what it is. And you get to say as a parent, no, this is not going to happen. And this is this is what we're going to do. And that's just the way it is. And your kid sounds like, um, you know, other I'm sure people will chime in and say, huh, there's obsessive compulsive stuff here. And is there some kind of other thing? And there people are going to want to talk about maybe is there some other thing going on? I don't know. But I do think. That it sounds like your kid is someone who gets hyper focused on things and gets really interested in stuff, and that's can be a great quality. Uh, I don't think you're going to get him out of that phase. He's just going to find another thing that he gets interested in after he's done with Batman, and that's going to be the way it is. And you just get to write it out. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you know, there's various stories of Batman. There's one story of Batman is a psychotic billionaire who dresses up as a rodent and punches muggers, which is a weird story. <laughs> but then there's another story about true, Batman, though. which is that. There's another story about Batman, which is that Batman is a little boy who suffered a devastating mm-hmm. loss and yes. devoted himself to protecting other children. Yes. And, and in as much as you can divert your kid's Batman uh, obsession away from the first story and towards the second story, that Batman is someone who wants to take care of people. Batman is, is a grown-up who's made himself strong and wants to help. Um, then Batman can, I hope, be a salutary presence in, in your family's life. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, hope that was helpful. Uh, good luck. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance— Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're going to take another question. This one, once again, came to us over email. Uh, you know the email address already, so there's no need for me to say it. It's being read once again by Shasha Leona. Hi, Mom and Dad. An otherwise totally responsible friend recently commented that she doesn't buy the safest car seat on the market because she doesn't want her kid to survive a car accident that kills both parents. I'm a person who does meticulous research about the safety of all my baby gear, but especially car seats. Yet... I find this reasoning oddly appealing. What say you? Carvel, this one's for you. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I was thinking about this. This is um, the, this is the sort of second chapter of that bizarre question we got a couple years ago where someone was like, my two-year-old has as much of a chance dying on the road if I run to pick his mother up from the airport as, as they do um, alone in the crib if I leave them alone. So shouldn't I just leave them alone at home? Wouldn't that be more logical? Why not? And 
um, this is one of those, and the, the reason those two are connected in my mind is because this is a situation in which you can argue that there is a certain kind of logic to doing a, a thing that is harmful and neglectful to your child, but that that logic doesn't justify it. Even though there is a logic, there is a sort of, I, I understand your technical logic, like it would be so terrible for your child to have to live and those parents were killed in the car accident and they have to just live the rest of his life, might turn into Batman, actually, is the thing that might happen. And you don't want that. And so you want to save the whole, your kid from that suffering. But I, I will say that one of the rules of parenting is that you should not kill your kid under any circumstances, and you should not participate in the death of your child <laughs> under any circumstances, nor should you arrange things in such a way that your child has an increased opportunity of dying under any circumstances. There are no circumstances in which you get to do that. That is, for me, and this is just my personal opinion, a, a non-starter. And so even if, you, <laughs> even if you die, which I hope you don't, and your child has to live without you, which would be terrible. I still think it's not fair for you to decide that your kids shouldn't live just because you didn't live. You're old. Your life is over. It doesn't matter. The kid is new. Let them have their life. I'm sorry they'll be sad, but killing them is not a solution. You shouldn't kill people because they're, be, they're going to be sad. This is the most, this is honestly the most insane question I've ever seen delivered to any of the venues in which I received questions. <laughs> and I, that's why I wanted to answer it because I was like, I, I can't, and, I, and again, I understand that there is a logic, but logic does not cover everything there is that needs to be covered around parenting. There there's also other stuff called not being a fucking asshole or in this case, not killing your child. I think there's I don't care by what logic it makes sense to increase your kid's likelihood of death. I think that 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 there's no way to do that. Don't kill your kid. That's my stance. Sorry to take this to say something so controversial and yet so brave. But that's what I think. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I want to approach this from a purely logical perspective. I knew perspective. it. I, I knew I, you I were going to do that. I appreciate, <laughs> I, I appreciate Carvel's point that there are other important aspects of the situation that can't be assessed logically. <laughs> I want to assess this on a purely logical basis. On a purely logical basis, this is absolute bullshit. <laughs> and it's absolute bullshit on two different counts. It's bullshit twice over. Number one. Apparently, the theory is that you're going to get the car seat that's calibrated such that your kid will always survive as long as the parents survive, but that if both of the parents are killed in the crash, then the kid is more likely to die. I don't think they make car seats whose survival rate is calibrated so precisely to the survival rate of the passengers in the front seat. I just don't think car seats work that way. All you can do is get a safer car seat or a less safe car seat. You, you, can't, you can't calibrate it like that. So, so that's point one where the logic fails. Point two where the logic fails is like if you're a kid, would it be better to survive as an orphan or to die. <laughs> I think it's better to survive as an orphan. I, I wouldn't, so. I would rather you have think? both of my parents, <laughs> but if I had to choose, I would rather survive as an orphan. And we as a society largely agree with that, which is why we don't just kill orphans. Yes, we don't. So if you want to go down the road of like, yeah, you want to make sure that your kid doesn't uh, survive you in a car accident, you're going to have to then conclude a whole bunch of other stuff around like mass murdering orphans that I think you probably don't want to conclude. <laughs> um, in fact, I would suggest, I guess I'm getting closer to Carvel's perspective here, that um, 
your kid is meant to outlive you. <laughs> your kid is supposed to live longer than you. And, and I know you don't want that to happen when the kid is a really little kid and still in a car seat. But in general, you do have to prepare yourself for the fact that you're hopefully going to be dead when your kid is still alive and that that's the good outcome. Um, and I, I would suggest that you meditate on that rather than trying to find the car seat that, uh, is, is precisely calibrated <laughs> to not allow the kid to survive the deaths of the parents. Uh, I would love to hear the conversation at like the car seat sales place where the parent is just like, yes, we, we, we want the kid to almost die. And the guy's like, no, 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 we know this, this car seat is a hundred percent safe. Yes. Do you have something less safe? Something where the kid would die? Just, just can, can I take a look at that? I mean, I, I yes. How, how is... safe are you looking for, madam? <laughs> just, just how much safety would madam like? How much death would you like? <laughs> I'd like 15% chance of death. Is that possible? Um, yeah, no, this is ridiculous. So I'm going to just, I agree with everything that you guys said, just to be clear, but I'm going to go on a limb and say, Uh this was probably a snarky comment made by a mom that then the other mom was just being snarky about when she wrote to us and you guys are answering it literally, which is fine because obviously it's a really dumb question and a super obvious answer where all of the logic fails in all of those levels. But also it just got me thinking about the whole thing about researching car safety and car seats. Like... Are there still car seats on the market that could kill you? Do you guys think that there are? I don't really know. I mean, there are some that are like rated higher for safety than other ones. They don't like advertise them as like slightly less safe. (laughs) You you have to go to a third party rating system to find out which they're all trying to push the idea that they're very safe is is the way they market car seats. Right. And I think about like all of the I mean, I was just talking today to my friend about how, um, you know, she told me about what she was doing for Mother's Day. And I basically just said, you know what I do on Mother's Day? I make sure my kids are out of the fucking house because I just want a day alone. Like, I just want Mother's Day to be like by myself. And like I got like that look, you know, that same look that you might give somebody when they say something like, I wish my kid wouldn't survive me in a car <laughs> accident. But I actually wasn't kidding. Mm. Uh, but I also realized like what I said was true. And I I, I just have to believe it that mother was joking. I have to. Because nobody really thinks that, right? That their kids are... Because your kids didn't choose to be born, guys. You are not, like, so important to them that they would rather die than be with you. I'm sorry. It's not cool. It's just not a cool thing to say. All right. So that's our uh, that's our answer to you is we really hope that you're trolling us. We really Thanks. Hope. And uh, do, do right again. <laughs> Time now for the part of the show that I like to call recommendations. That's where we make recommendations to you. Carvel, do you have a recommendation? I do. I'm recommending a video game, which is not something I do a whole heck of a lot, but we had one that really brought the family together. Um, and uh, it was, I, I guess you can get it on PS4. Maybe you can get it on Xbox. I don't know. Anyway, the game is called Unravel. It's a video game, and the, and the, the premise is this very odd premise where um, it's this world where you are this, this like creature made of yarn. That's it. And you're in this old lady's house and you have to go run this long errand through the woods. 
and you, you are about maybe the size of, you know, you're maybe like four inches tall and everything else is like the scale of the real world. So you have to climb over apples and climb up the sides of benches and go through this long journey. And as you go, you continue to unravel. So you can only go a certain length of time and then you have to f- sort of find all these creative ways to make some of your yarn swing from a nail so that you can swing across the little like puddle. And then if you keep, if you do that correctly, then you, um, then you find a place where you can get more yarn. And so you link onto that and then you get another stretch, but it's this really simple, really beautifully drawn, really mellow game. That is a little bit of a puzzle solving. It's like, how am I going to get over this apple and through this like tin can and up to the top of the bench? How can I do that? And you try all the different ways. And, and, uh, and it's just amazing how much the kids reacted to it. And how the thing I love about it is that it's the one place where they work together. When one of them is playing, the other one helps them. They go, oh, 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 tie yourself to the tie yourself to the to that sign, and then and then you can pull yourself up from the thing. And like, oh, I haven't tried that yet. And they don't fight with each other. They don't. They like just co work together to solve it. I don't know why that game makes that happen, but I think it's amazing. And something about the design, it's beautiful. And so that's the game I'm recommending. Unravel the video game. I think available on PlayStation Four, um, Xbox, and uh, whatever game system you like. Uh, that sounds awesome. I am going to recommend a practice for dealing with young children who like to use bathroom words. Mm. Like, you know, when, when your kid, if you're like me, when your kid turns about three and a half or four and they start always wanting to talk about like poop and pee pee <laughs> and whatever. And it's like, it makes sense because like, that's what they're focused on and they're trying to get toilet trained and whatever. But then sometimes the, the talking about it, it can just get to you. There's a thing that we have been doing this whole time and it works really well. And I, I, I had to deploy it the other day and it continued to work. And it occurred to me that I don't think I've ever recommended this on the show. We got this from a friend of ours. The rule is if you want to talk about bathroom stuff, if you want to use bathroom words, you got to go to the bathroom. That's why they call them bathroom words. They're words you're only allowed to say in the bathroom. So when he starts talking about that stuff, like at the dinner table or whatever, we don't like get mad or, or, or tell him, no, you're not allowed to say that. We, we just very concerned say, oh, do you need to go to the bathroom if you want to say those words? And, and he's like, no, no, I don't. And then he talks about something else. And every now and again, when he really wants to, he will just like go over to the bathroom and he'll say like, poo-poo. And he'll come out of the bathroom again, <laughs> which is adorable. Oh so um, that is my recommendation is right from the beginning when you're trying, when they start using those words, you just let them know those are bathroom words. And that means you can only say them in the bathroom. That's my recommendation. Rebecca, what do you got? That's, that's really smart and much more clever than when my kids were little and I told them they were only allowed to swear in the car, <laughs> forgetting that sometimes other people would be driving them places. <laughs> yeah, that's a really smart use of that technique. Very good. Uh, I'm going to recommend uh, my friend uh, Adam Ragusia's YouTube channel because he has been uploading some incredible cooking videos lately that my teenage son has been super into. And we'll make sure to post the link. His cooking videos are very relatable. He has a very relatable looking kitchen, which I super appreciate because most cooking videos are like kitchen porn. Um, and he uh, is just doing really basic recipes for steak, for chicken parmesan, mm. for uh, 
he has this really great chocolate chip one that went super viral where he uh, smashes the dough flat and puts it in the broiler for one minute before baking and therefore getting a brown crispy crust over your undercooked cookie. Super good. These cooking videos are really, truly awesome. And um, if you have kids who are into cooking, he just puts just enough of the science of why a certain thing works in it. Uh, But he's also like a professional broadcaster and he's a journalist. So there's a lot of just like cool facts about food in them. And I really, really dig them. And I've subscribed and I subscribed to literally three things on YouTube. So this is 30% of my YouTube subscription (laughs) right now. So um, I'm going to go ahead and share that link and make sure that you guys can get it. I don't think his channel has a name. It's just like Adam Adam Ragusea's channel. There's other stuff on there too, but the cooking videos are extraordinarily good. Nice. And that's our show. Uh, Slate Plus members stick around to hear Rebecca's tips for getting on a private jet. If you have a question you want us to tackle, you can give us a call on our phone number. It's 424-255-7833. Or you can email us. It turns out that our email address is slate.com. Let us know what you thought of the show at our Facebook group. Go to Facebook, search for Slate Parenting. Lots of parents there having great discussions about the show, but also about various other things related to parenting. Our show is produced by Jess Jupiter with some help this week from Ben Frisch. For Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoie, I'm Gabriel Roth. We'll see you next week. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.